0: Underdog Sports MLB Show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Medorski and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 198 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Medorski. And Bryce, I want to ask you your opinion on the idea of momentum because it's coming up a lot. We got the Cowboys-Commanders game on in the background. What is your take on momentum? Uh, And the reason I ask is because I have Cowboys fans who I'm friends with who are saying it doesn't matter that Dak Prescott is 10 of 29 against the Commanders and that every first down run they've just run it into the ground. And I know this is a baseball podcast. Um, But we've brought this up in the past, the idea of momentum, where we didn't love the new MLB playoff format to tie it in because baseball is a big game of momentum um, and the first round by messes up the routines. I don't think that's... What are your thoughts on momentum? My first thought is
1: I think that's a stretch of a comparison you made to just work baseball momentum in sports is real uh... i don't know within a game it's real one hundred percent i think your teams are more or less able to shake off a bad performance and rebound the next week there's a part of me that almost likes giving a team a back against the wall mentality going into the the no one believes in us um approach to it but it the problem when things start going bad week over week it would be – it's not so much about like, starting out the gates hot. It's about rebounding from crisis situations. If you don't have the momentum when things start going bad, that's when it seeps over. But I think you start the week with a clean slate, with all that baggage just looming over you,
0: and it doesn't come into effect until you're down. Yeah, to me I think it's two different things, and I think this is regardless of sports. You know, When it goes into the playoffs, if you rest your starters, that's one thing, and, and I'm okay with that because you don't want guys to get injured. But if you play your guys and they look like shit and go out and embarrass themselves, then I think I'm worried uh, week into week. I think there's a big difference in my mind. I
1: mean, specifically on this Cowboys' performance,
0: the offense is playing like shit.
1: There's, but again, Brandon. I I think McCarthy goes to his team right after this and says, "Forget this ever happened. Rest up. We got Tampa on Saturday, Sunday, or Monday."
0: Point being, watching this game, my first Bavada Sportsbook.com pick of the week going into NFL playoff Sunday is uh Patriots by a million.
1: Oh, jeez. Bucks They're by so a million.
0: Close. Bucks by a million. I still do it three years later. It's unbelievable. I'll always think of him as a Patriot. Brady by a million. That, uh, Dak has thrown 20 incomplete passes in this game.
1: But Brady.
0: No, Brady and the Bucks seem
1: like they Brady by a million,
0: out. no other questions at this time. What, what do you think th- the line is on that? I, whatever it is, I don't care. Brady by a million. I would, as Dallas
1: played themselves where well, that's almost a I think Dallas still has to be the favorite just looking at the record, but that can't be more than a field. Veda Veda is record. going to eat Zeke up. Everybody eats Zeke up. Vita Vea, the good the Salvation Army
0: bucket. He's just getting eaten. Alright, no more football talk. Let's stick to baseball. An unlikely development I would say has developed this offseason in baseball. Is Carlos Baerga now the go-to reporter for any Latin American news involving any Latin American baseball players? Uh, When I think of Carlos Baerga, I think of All-Star for the Cleveland Indians in the 90s. Typical guy who signed with the Mets and was kind of shitty at the end of his career. But he was in on Correa to the Giants. Um, He was in on the move we're going to discuss shortly. In my mind, I might value Carlos Baerga's takes more than John Heyman. Heyman's a lower bar. I know it's a low bar to clear, but Bayerga's been more right than Heyman, Nightingale, etc., that tier of reporter.
1: Yeah, I mean, his, whatever, whoever his source is, if he is the source, which is certainly possible, uh, he's right all the time. He actually, he's not a, he's, Bayerga has the advantage of not being a, a scoops guy, so he, can, he doesn't need to post content every day. He's actually. Just does
0: it when he knows it's right. He only So his success rate should be 1,000. Carlos Bayerga from uh, 92 to 95. Very good four year run. 20, 20, 21, 19, 15 home runs, 105, 114, 80, 90 RBIs. 312, 321, 314, 314. Very, very good. Pretty good. And then he signed with the Mets and is a career hitter with the Mets in three years. Went from 299 average, 339 on base, to 267 average, 302 on base. And some of you may be saying, oh, Bayerga just got old. Side with the Mets when he was 27. That's when players are supposed to peak. Further proof that the Mets ruined careers. They ruined Carlos Bayerga's, which is great for us, because now he's the best reporter on the market.
1: Chase was so excited saying that, he spat
0: all over me. Was it worth it, though? Not even a little. All right. So the news that he reported this week. Uh, we've given we and baseball media in general have given the Boston Red Sox, led by High and Bloom in this front office, a lot of flack lately. Uh, Bogarts walked. They traded Mookie. They even lost Nate Aldi. They didn't get much from Ben attendee. They, they've moved on from a lot of franchise stalwarts and didn't get a lot back. Um, but to their credit, they now have the new face of the franchise, um, and it's not inconceivable to me. Uh, to me, you could draw a straight—you drew a straight line from Ted Williams to Yaz to Dwight Evans to Nomar to Poppy. Uh, does Mookie get considered in that straight line, or no? Because I mean, they traded him and he left.
1: I mean, when did he? When was it Mookie's team not did he retired in twenty
0: sixteen? It was Mookie's team for the twenty eighteen World Series.
1: Yeah, like a three year run—not enough time.
0: Even though he won the MVP the year they won a World Series? Three years, not enough time. All right, so regardless, then we'll go from David Ortiz to this guy. And we wondered whether or not he was going to want to stay in Boston. You said last week he would not. Uh, Raphael Devers and the Red Sox have agreed to an extension that will keep him in Boston through the 2023 season. Uh, It is an 11 year deal, $331 million. $17.5 $17.5 million salary for 2023 was already agreed to. We talked about that last week. Um, so it's a 10-year, $313.5 million extension, no opt-outs, and a full no-trade clause. Uh, the 26-year-old was set to enter his final year of club control. Again, they agreed to that $17.5 million salary for this year to avoid arbitration. Amazingly enough, this is the rare extension for 13 years that I'm okay with for a team. Is it 13 or 11? It's 13 total. Uh, or sorry, it's 11. I don't know why I keep saying 13. Probably because of the 300s. Uh, it keeps him in Boston until his age 36 season. So it's not going to be one of those deals that take him until he's like 41 years old. Uh, the guarantee will break easily break the record for the largest in Red Sox history, which previously held by David Price at $272 million. 207. $217 million. I can't read right now. The Cowboys really have me angry.
1: you got to start reading Oliver Twist.
0: 10th largest guarantee in MLB history. The AAV will get him into the top. 20 all-time, and he will likely, I would say, spend his entire career in Boston now. They signed him out of the DR as a 16-year-old in August of 2013 with a $1.5 million bonus. He was a top-20 prospect in 2016 and 2017, cracked the majors at 20 years old, uh, 10 home runs in 58 games. Uh, He endured a bit of a sophomore slump in 2018, but won a ring, um, and he put that behind him in a big way over the last four years. 108 home runs, overall batting line of 292, 352, 532. 132 WRC Plus has him among the top 25 hitters in the league over that time frame. And again, this was the move the Red Sox needed to move, make. Mookie's gone, Xander's gone. They finished last this year. Um, and there was really no reason for the Red Sox fans to come to the park, I would say. But again, uh, once Bogarts left, they absolutely needed to get this deal done. Um, and with one year away from free agency, a lot of Red Sox fans were skeptical. Uh, the original report was that extension talk started in around the vicinity of $212 million. But the Red Sox stepped up big time. Red- Raphael Devers is the new face of the franchise for years to come. Uh, I give the Red Sox credit for getting this done. Uh, you know, in your opinion, uh, what would your Bavada over-under have been for Devers in free agency? It probably would not have been, I would imagine... That much higher than three thirteen, would it? Chase, you're numb. You're reading three thirteen and a half million dollar extension, ten year three thirteen and a half. Million. Oh, over the three thirty. Correct, uh, not including the seventeen. No, and a half I would have probably extension. been closer to three thirty one. Give number. me a little bit of credit. I, I'm I'm making up for my inability to read earlier. It makes. I probably would have had a little higher. I think this is a really friendly deal. I think Boston wins the deal. I think, this is I think they win the deal as so much because you know I think the difference between this deal and some of the other deals this off season, like the other deals this off were spread out from like eleven to thirteen years to get the A V down. He's uh, still making thirty million a year over the life of the contract.
1: Yeah, that's and that's that's going to be again. You have to understand ten years from now, thirty million dollars. might seem rather inconsequential to an MLB team salary. Tax. What an incredible statement
0: to make, but you're not wrong. Like you might,
1: I mean, thirty million dollars will always be thirty million dollars. <laughs> but like, who? Are, I mean, what the hell? Is, how much are the Mets paying Nemo?
0: <laughs> um, it was eight for one sixty-two. If he's getting so twenty million now, now, ten years from now, I get it. Look, no money. The money is not what it used to be, and Nemo is a great example of that. Yeah. So again, yeah, it's fine. They don't have a ton else to.
1: This is a move they had to do for the respectability of the franchise. And Like they got their best. He's their. He has been their best player. As soon as Mookie left, he's been the best player on that team. And you, you can't. It's like the Yankees said. The Yankees had to resign Judge, no matter what the number ended up being. Judge had to come back to New York. The Red Sox couldn't let this guy go, if they wanted to actually keep.
0: If they wanted any sort of legitimacy as an organization, they needed to keep him, and they kept him. Well, uh, I have a couple thoughts on Devers in general. One, one guy who could not have been happy about this signing, Garrett Cole. Oh, he beats the shit out of him. Devers owns Garrett Cole. Um, two, I think one thing Devers doesn't get enough credit for. Uh, T to me is sort of the Vlad Junior of third baseman, uh, and that Vlad kind of fucked around and won a Gold Glove this year. Devers, especially since he's gotten into the big leagues, Devers is good at third. Devers
1: is a great. I mean, Maybe he's
0: just good at third against the Yankees because I don't watch him a ton. Otherwise, but against us, he looks like an absolute stud at third base defensively.
1: Devers is a great. He's a great all around baseball player who deserves. This, he
0: deserves this contract. And, and this, to me, is—and I mean, look, I, I think the Red Sox still have such a long way to go. It's great they got their face of the franchise locked up. The pitching is still an absolute mess. And Pitching's great five years ago. Well, I guess they lost the ball. The pitching—I think we said it last year, or last week. The fantasy team that we could have had, me and you, if we were sharing a team in 2017, and we had Chris Sale, Corey Kluber, and James Paxton, dude, me and you were high-fiving at the draft, and we're saying we're going to go win a championship. We're saying, how we got these three? Yeah. I think I wonder what did Paxson finish in the Cy Young voting that year, if anything. Cause Kluber won it. Kluber has Sale finished no worse than six.
1: Kluber's a sneaky two time Cy Young. I guess it's not sneaky now, but when we're old, he'll be a sneaky Cy Young. No, you
0: know where it's sneaky? It's like if we're doing a Sporkle and it's like when we're trying to knee okay, Paxton. Paxon for what it's worth in twenty seventeen, that actually was his best season in the bigs. Uh twelve and five, two ninety right. Kluber's the guy when if you're naming the Cy Young winners with no teams or context and someone's like, a guy won two Cy Youngs in the 2010s. You're like, who the fuck are you talking about?
1: Tough break for the Cowboys on the screen.
0: Yeah, it's all right. Let's switch over to the Sad Giants instead. Um, in regards to this deal, though, and you're looking here, you know, I just pulled up the MLB teams, um, and I just want to go through real quick just because this signing more so than ever uh, really illustrates to me, and it's a session I wanted to have with you, you look across baseball in terms of third baseman and especially the third base contracts. Arenado's contract was for what, two sixty? Yeah. Give or take with the Cardinals. Riley's getting two hundred to play third for the Braves. Uh, for the Mets, assuming this trade deal goes through, we'll talk more about that. That's a three hundred million dollar third baseman. Dever's three hundred million dollar third baseman for the Red Sox. Um, Astros Bregman's making one fifty. Rendon's two hundred plus million. Machado's uh, over three hundred plus million dollars. So, oh, and, and I didn't even include Jose Ramirez, but just because that contract is so team friendly. But I guess for the point of the argument right now, my question for you is: What, in your mind, is the golden position in baseball right now? Third. Is it, I was gonna say is it short or third? Third. Third base. I want to do a deeper dive on this next week when we can like really go. I think team shortstop's by team. deeper, but I would get I would take the top end talent at third base over shortstop. I think if we were to name the top 15 to 20 players in baseball, we'd probably have at least five third basemen. I mean, Machado, Arenado, Jose, Jose Devers is probably right around 20. I would take that trio over the And Riley. Because I
1: don't think Austin Riley is the top 15 player in baseball.
0: Top 20, 25, though. Austin Riley was the best p- hitter on a 101 team last year. That's not bad and is a back-to-back all-star. So credit to the Red Sox. I mean, look, everyone knows I hate the Red Sox, but I love baseball more, and this is one of those moves. You know, there's certain teams, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers. I'll even throw the San Francisco Giants in there. It's just baseball's better when those teams are good. Um, so I'm glad the Red Sox at least kept Devers from the standpoint of, even though he's going to torture me now for years to come as a Yankee fan, uh, you know, for a game, it's not good for the game when the Red Sox are coming in last place year after year. No.
1: And the Red Sox have to – it's a respectable – it's a respectable – the Red Sox have to feel the competent major league roster.
0: And now I think they have. And a team that made it to the World Series last year, and we mentioned them in our best of the offseason uh, last week, but to me this is a move that maybe the casual baseball fan won't realize, but the Phillies' biggest problem, I don't know, going back like 10 years, we'll call it, has been their bullpen. Uh, Brad Han was trying to get meaningful outs in the World Series. And Dave Nebraska goes out this offseason against Craig Kimbral. He signs Matt Stram. Um, I feel like I'm missing somebody else that they signed. Kimbrough Stram. Did they trade for anyone else? No. But we're all right. It was Kimbrel, Stram, Sir Anthony Dominguez, and Jose Alvarado. So we are already feeling good about it. And then they just added a two-time All-Star cro- uh, closer. They agreed to require left-handed reliever Gregory Soto and utility man Cody Clemens, son of the Rocket, in a trade with the Tigers. For utility man, Nick Maton, outfielder uh, Matt Vierling, and catcher Donnie Sands. Um, Soto turned 28 in February, 3-2-8 ERA, over 16 to third innings for the Tigers last season. Struck out batters at a 22.8% clip. High walk rate, 12.9%, but 30 saves, back-to-back all-star. Uh, the strikeout rate was a bit of a dip. <coughs> But as a reliever, um, over 181 and a third innings over the past couple years, 3.57 ERA. Uh, lefties have hit just 225, 328, 277 against him. He's given up one home run in his career to a left-handed uh, hitter. True religion fastball, 89 mile per hour slider. Uh, walks again have been issued, but it is still a below average walk rate for his career. Uh, he has between three and four years of service time left, so he's a first year arbitration salary at 3.1 million, which is again for a back to back All Star closer is nothing. Um, and now all of a sudden, you know, with Alvarado and Soto, and then I'll get to the Tigers' end of the deal, you have two dominant lefties uh, in the bullpen, probably the two hardest-throwing left-handed relievers in baseball. Um, Kimbrell, Sir Anthony Dominguez, there's a closer for every occasion for the Phillies. The bullpen is so deep. The Mets are the Mets, um, and I think they're going to be good this year. I think the Braves are going to be good. But the more I think of it after the offseason they've had, and you could tell me if I'm just crazy in this thinking, in my mind the Phillies as of right now, as of this podcast, are my Bavada pick to win the National League East. I think even without Harper, Trey Turner's line production helps offset that. The rotation, you went and got Taiwan Walker. The rotation's deep. The bullpen's deep. I just look at a team like that. They just don't really have many flaws in my opinion. And I know the Mets and Braves don't either, but – I don't know. I I think Dave Dombrowski has knocked it out of the park this offseason. And now the bullpen has five guys with closing experience, um, three of whom are left-handers. So, lucky for you, Bryce, you will never have to watch Brad Hand in a Phillies uniform again. Maybe any uniform again. I really don't like Brad Hand. I think the Mets are still the favorite. If your top two
1: pitchers are Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, you're the favorite. There's nothing really the Phillies could do to overcome
0: that. Like, I get it, Wheeler. Nola's very up and down. Nola has good year. Back. No, when you get and when you get good Nola, I agree, it's really good. And When you get bad Nola, uh, I mean, we saw in the World Series. You're looking series, at an over
1: world. four ERA guy if he's off.
0: I just trust the Mets more one through five
1: and their lineups. I give the lineup edge in that division to the Braves. But I get—I think I said it last week. The Phillies are number two across the board. Now they're bullpens making the run at the top spot. But again, those three teams—we said it. I mean, it's been a, a cost. We echo this all offseason. I think the NL is going to have the same six playoff teams from a year. Yeah, and,
0: and there's no team I think will even really come close. I I think the – when I talk about the teams with the best offseason, then we'll get to the Tigers' return. I think the Phillies had the best offseason from the standpoint of – I think the Mets acquired the most talent. But I think at a certain point that just turned into Steve Cohen flaunting his money and just saying, I'm going to sign these guys because I can. I think the Phillies had the best offseason from the standpoint of acquiring talent, but specifically filling every need that they had. And they needed I a back-of-the-arm rotation. They got Tywin Walker. They needed a middle-of-the-order bat. They signed Trey Turner. They needed uh, well, a the, whole the new Mets, bullpen. They I, did it. The Mets are... Uh, the Correa thing goes to the
1: Mets. The Mets are the best offseason, but as of right now, it's the Phillies.
0: I can live with that. Um, as for Detroit, uh, Detroit's in a really weird span, place right now. They're not in a weird place. They suck. I think they're in a weird place from the standpoint, though. Of I, That was a team me and you last offseason. We looked at Detroit, and we were like, okay, this team could make a jump into the wild-card race. Um, all of their free agent signings did not work out. Erod went awol. Erod went awol. That might be uh, if I didn't. If I I like Eduardo Rodriguez, and it's irrelevant kind of to the podcast at large. Otherwise, that would be a great episode title. Erod went awol. Um, Erod bomb. Erod was gone. Javi Baez was pretty quickly exposed. as not very good to be. I've so, I must have done this years and, ago. And I will just say, Tucker Barnhart is on another team. So, the, the moves that we looked around and said, oh, they had a really good off season. they didn't have a good offseason, and the kids, Casey Myers got Tommy John surgery, Spencer Torkelson got, spent the AAA in June.
1: Summer 2014, my uncle and I did a baseball road trip across the Midwest, and we saw two Cubs games with a very young
0: Jorge Soler and a
1: very young Javi Baez. In those games... Baez struck out a combined seven times and Soler homered twice. That's why I love Jorge Soler and think he's gonna set the all-time home run record. And I hate Javi Baez. He the strike I get it, we're three true outcomes era of baseball, but Javi Baez strikeouts cripple teams. He strikes out a painful amount. And it's and if he's not hitting, if he's not giving you power, then he's just nothing.
0: And I have a defensive player comp for him. It's gonna be one of our friends. Okay. Can you take a guess of what I'm going to go with on this one? Like, Bennett? He's Andrew Nathan at shortstop. If there is a spectacular play to make that is going to be on MLB Network or Center, Javi Baez is going to make it. Yeah, if you watch but the if the ball's hit right at him, you don't know if he's going to make the play.
1: If you watch the Javi Baez highlight reels, you would... Th- there's Great base dealer, though. There's cool base dealer. And he does that awesome stuff. With t- he's... His highlight clip on YouTube might be the best in the league. Does he ever
0: do the tag in the regular season, though? Like, the epic one that I think of is from the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, that was pretty epic. Yeah. But has he done it in, like, I'm not going to say a real game, because, again, I, you, you've heard me say this. I'm a big advocate of the World Baseball Classic, one of the most fun live sporting event experiences I've ever had. But has he ever done it in a game that's relevant to his career? I, I don't know. We'd have to do some diving. I haven't watched the hobby by He did time. have the cr- the crazy base or anything in Pittsburgh. Where you got a triple off a of bluke. But I don't know if that was more of an indictment of Javi Baez's crafty the or the Pirates just. That was the Pirates. <laughs> the guy just didn't step on first. So anyway, so the Tigers last year, Mike Illich spent some money and, or Chris Illich, excuse me, Mike Illich passed away. So it's Chris's son, uh, Papa John's family, I believe. Pizza, right? pizza. Oh, Little Caesars, thank you. I don't know how. Papa John is John. <laughs> Papa Stupid. John is Papa John. Yeah, 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 I need to go to sleep early tonight. So right now, I think they're in a weird in-between space where they've spent the money where they should be good, but they clearly are still at the beginning of their rebuild. So I give them credit. I, I think Soto is a two-time All-Star closer in name only. Like He had 30 saves two years He's ago. Tigers but, rep. Correct. He was the Tigers All-Star rep two years in a row. Um, and look, they got some decent returns. Sands is a 26-year-old catcher who was in the big leagues this past year. Uh, he made 57 appearances at AAA slash 302, 413, 428 with five home runs. Wasn't going to get a shot with J.T. Realmuto, so he's a shot now. Matanzi, um, utility player, who played in 35 games with five home runs, over 85 plate appearances for the Phillies. He could play all over. He could be some depth there. And then Veerling is probably the gem of it. And, again, he only had like a 700 OPS last year. But he's uh, a solid defensive outfielder. He's also logged a handful of innings at first, second, or third. Should compete for a bench spot in Detroit as a fourth outfielder. Uh, look, at the end of the day, I don't know what the return they were going to get for Soto is. Um, but it, it's just interesting to me when you see the prospects, and again, I'm going to preface this by saying this is so far from an apples-to-apples apples comparison, but Soto was a two-time All-Star closer who has was who hitting arbitration for the first time. Um, and I think we would both agree, especially because he's a left-handed value, I'm not going to say there's extreme value for that, but there's a good amount of value in terms of like the trade chart and what people want. You know, you think of like yeah. the trade deadline every year, A hard-throwing left-handed reliever with closing experience is near the top of every team's wish list, no matter who they are. And it's just fascinating to me because these were three guys that I would say nobody would say is like a needle-moving prospect. And Brian Reynolds, I would almost say, is the hitting equivalent of this just from the standpoint of, yes, he's an all-star, and he's good, but he's an all-star because he was a pirate. I say this, Brian, which is all my way of saying
1: I'm tired of the Brian Pirates. Guys.
0: You got to look in the mirror. You're not going to get a Jason Dominguez type prospect from any team for Brian Reynolds, who at the end of the day is a solid big league outfielder. But if you put him on a team who finished above 500 and where the games mattered after May, he's just another guy. Like, it's my yeah. way of saying Pirates, look at this trade. Look in the mirror and realize this guy's not going to resign with you. <laughs> Figure it out. <coughs> look at what the Royals got for Benettendi. I don't remember what we gave up. It was not inconsequential. So, a, so yes, that's the way of saying it, inconsequential. Like, yeah. Now the Brian Reynolds. People are discussing Brian Reynolds like he's Mike Trout. Did I send you that meme uh, with the Pirates, no. the Pirates and the Braves? Oh, I saw that. It's it's a meme where it's because uh, Pirates offered Reynolds a six or seventy five million dollar extension, which he should take. And and the meme is Pirates offered. Oh, how could you do that? Braves offered, oh, that's such a great deal. Of course you'll take that. Thanks, honey. It's like a mom comforting his children. But it is interesting to look at it through that lens, though, that the Pirates get torn apart for offering Reynolds that, uh, where the Braves have, I don't even know how many young guys who have either been an all-star or rookie of the year already and aren't making that combined. They gave him the same AAV as Acuna. Acuna's that's a- how little Acuna makes? Yeah. Eight for, was it eight? Well,
1: maybe eight. Is Acuna eight for a hundred or
0: eight for? Well, there were there were a bunch of de- op, uh, options that stretch it out. Um, Acuna is not even close to the worst contract on that team. Albie's is a disaster. Yeah, Albie's. I think Albie's contract is for at most seven million a year it's for like a perennial seven. all-star second baseman when he's healthy. It's like seven for fifty. It's crazy. Just terrible. Let's talk about the Los Angeles Dodgers. We mentioned it last week. The Trevor Bauer countdown was on and the Dodgers have officially cut ties with him. Um, The statement for the Dodgers was that the Dodgers organization believes that allegations of sexual assault or domestic violence should be thoroughly investigated with due process to the accused. From the beginning, we've cooperated fully with Major League Baseball's investigation and strictly followed the process stipulated under MLB's Joint Domestic Violence, Sexual Assault, and Child Abuse Policy. Two extensive reviews of all the available evidence in this case, one by Manfred and another by a neutral arbitrator, including Mr. Bauer's actions warranted that the longest ever active player suspension in our sport for violations of this policy. Now that the process has been completed, and after careful consideration, we have decided he will no longer be a part of this organization. Bauer released his own statement in the LA Times saying, while we were unable to communicate throughout the administrative leave and arbitration process, my representation spoke to Dodgers' leadership immediately following the arbitration decision. Following two weeks of conversations about my return to the organization, I said... shit. Oh my God, are the Giants going to maybe win this game? No, I think Kenny Galladay just caught a touchdown. What a strange world we live in. Back to Trevor Bauer. I sat down with Dodgers leadership in Arizona yesterday who told me they wanted me to return and pitch for the team this year. While well, I'm disappointed for the organization's decisions today, by the organization's decisions today. I appreciate the wealth of support I've received from the Dodgers clubhouse. I wish the players all the best and look forward to competing elsewhere. Before we get into the financial ramifications of this, a um, couple thoughts. Ready? Ready. Thought number 1, very mature statement from Bauer. Yeah, that's right. I was surprised by that. Um Thought number two, and then we'll get into the finances of this. Do you think he's full of shit when the, he said that the Dodgers at one point said we want you to play it this year? It's hard to know a guy not. like Trevor Bauer, but what does he have to lose? What does he have to gain by lying at this point?
1: I mean, maybe you can get a little more sympathy, but I get, I, I, I think maybe get it out there that the Dodgers at one point did want to bring him back, so other teams are more inclined to do it. I didn't then read
0: too much into it. So I read this article in the Athletic. Um, that I thought was really interesting about this. Um, and again, for the finances, um, the Dodgers' payroll sits around 217 million. Dodgers are on the hook for $22.5 million. They released him. Um, so again, that money is still on the books. The Dodgers have a seven-day window to trade Bauer, or place him on waivers. Um, they didn't find any trade interest in the past two weeks, so will likely be released when all is said and done. Uh, and the team who, who signs him is only on the hook for the league minimum, $720,000. I think this is a bad look from the Dodgers for this reason. This is an organization that prides itself on doing the right thing, on being the standard bearer in the National League, however you want to say it. And the fact that it took you two weeks to make this decision almost, I don't know how you could spin it in any way other than we were caring about trying to win more than doing the right thing. I think you are again. Who
1: gives? It? They got there at the end. It doesn't matter.
0: I guess but why not just say right away we're getting rid of this guy? Why they literally waited until the very last possible second to release the statement.
1: They look over the options. Of course they consider bringing him back. They're paying him 20 million regardless. You have to and somebody he's going to play in the league. You have to look at the options and I, who, I you're going to forget that they waited until the last day by the next
0: episode we record this. So I, that doesn't mean shit to me. I don't know. Uh, to me, to me, they've painted him in such a negative light throughout this process. In my opinion, the Dodgers, with the clear intention of not paying him, that uh, I don't know. To me, the Dodgers front office, who I respect, and the ownership group, they they tried to have their cake and eat it too here, and I don't know. I think it came out. Looking in what bad. sense do they try and have their cake and eat it too? I I, I think uh, again from the standpoint of if you didn't want him on the team, you didn't want to pay him this and that, then just say it right away. Yeah, that, I, I don't care about the timing. Okay, fair enough. Who's your Bavada favorite for Bauer next year? Padres. I'm going to say the Padres or the Mets. I, I think the Mets, just because I think Steve Cohen, for better or for worse, just genuinely doesn't give a shit about optics. Um, but for the ba- Padres, you want to put yourself over the top. Uh, and again, Bauer hasn't pitched in the majors since midway through the 2021 season, so we're going on a year and a half. Um, but... He's a guy who's known to keep himself in incredible shape. He's very into analytics, all that good stuff. And we did just see Justin Verlander come back from to Tommy John surgery at the age of 39 to be unanimous Cy Young. That Padres rotation, if you even get a shell of what Bauer used to be, um, and it's Darvish, Musgrove, Snell, Bauer. Snell? I said Snell. Darvish, Snell, uh, Musgrove, yeah. Bauer. Uh, to me, that's I, – I know the Mets are good. To me, the Padres become the overwhelming favorite in the National League if they get Bauer. And Cueto. Cueto will be interesting. Where's Cueto going? Enough with the Bauer. More Cueto. You want to switch to a positive note? Where's Cueto going?
1: Yeah.
0: Um. You know where I would like Cueto a lot, and I think it makes quite a bit of sense for both teams? For a while, I liked him in Texas. I love Cueto in Seattle to anchor the back of that rotation and just eat innings. You know, they still got a lot of young guys. Castillo has had some injury problems in the past. Um, you know, Robbie Ray was inconsistent last year. Kirby is still young. Let him just eat innings and, you know, and you don't have to worry about the home runs and whatever they call safe field now. T-Mobile. I think it's a great fit. Yeah, I like that one. Let him just mentor the young pitching, and then you don't have to rush any of these guys up. Yeah, I like Cueto. We'd, we, I think we'd both agree we order in Cueto Mariners here. Just that's the thing. Yeah. Mariners, you're on the clock. Bryce is going to Seattle in three weeks? Not even. In less than three weeks. Get it done so we can get the Cueto Seattle jerseys uh, live and in person, please. I would do that. Let's talk about Carlos Correa. Um, It's been a couple weeks since they reported this deal, and it's still not done. Again, it was 12 years, $315 million. um, And it sounds like Steve Cohen and the Mets are growing very frustrated with the state of negotiations, have contemplated walking away. Uh, This is from Andy Martino and SNY. Um, John Heyman indicated that Correa and Scott Boris have engaged in at least one other team as of this week. Twins have some momentum uh, again. The Twins offered him ten years, two hundred eighty-five million. Uh, before the Giants came in with thirteen, three hundred fifty. The Giants' agreement uh, feels like ancient history at this point, and there's no indication that they have uh, entirely halted their efforts to sign Correa. But again, they're determining their next steps. You know, uh, we don't we don't know if they're in. Um, etc. But Correa, who is, uh, you know, the marquee guy in a lot of ways outside of judge in this free agent class, is still out there. Look, I think on some level, the Mets saying we're ready to walk away is Steve Cohen, you know, posturizing. But at the same time, I don't know how much Scott Boris is willing to screw up this relationship with Cohen because Boris basically, with a few exceptions, like Carlos Rodon said, I want to be a Yankee. Bryce Harper said, put me in one team, and I want to know about like there's certain players who dictate a little bit more than others where and for how long they're going to. But Boris, generally speaking, his policies is we're going to go to the highest bidder. And not many people are going to have Steve Cohen for players. So I don't know if Boers is willing to mess this up, but what do you make of this whole situation? Uh, and do you think the Twins have a shot to maybe come back in here and bring Correa back?
1: I think he wants to be a Met. I think Correa wants to end up on the Mets, and I, I, I would if I had to bet. Like I would still have the Mets as a Bavada favorite for where he plays next year, but
0: I mean, the longer this goes, the odds are getting worse every day. Do you think that Correa today is January eighth? Does he sign a contract by January fifteenth with whoever team?
1: Probably. If it's the Mets, yes. I know, I would say probably. I feel like this thing's
0: coming to an end. And, and at what point? Oh, Baker Mayfield with the backbreaking breaking pick. At, at what point do you think? Fan, do you think there's at any point Met fans? Because again, we we know a lot of Met fans, not the most rational fan base uh, by any means. Do you think at any point they start to turn on Correa before this deal even gets done? Like, what's this guy's deal? What's the hold-up type of thing? Couldn't you picture Met fans getting down on a guy before he even signs with the team? It's similar
1: logic to the momentum, where this will only be an issue if he underperforms. Like I think he'll sign; it'll be cool. The Mets will look to, think more to me. I think much. he's
0: going to underperform, but that's just because I think, based on his production, I don't see him as a three hundred million dollar player. I think so much of his pump is it's a narrative where it's leadership and defensive ability, this and that. I just think you look at his offensive numbers. You know, if you were to do a. I'll put it this way, and you can tell me if I'm crazy here. If we were to do a a player comparison, player A, B, and C, and we just put up Correa's numbers, I don't think you would say this guy would even snip a $300 million contract. Am I crazy to think that? No. I know that's not how the world works, but. No. Yeah, it's not how. But like, like most- Devers is a guy I would give three hundred million dollars to and not hesitate. He's one of the best left handers in baseball. Correa is not going to end up with a three hundred million dollar contract because of this injury concern.
1: This he, injury concern. Yeah, is- I
0: think even before that, like three hundred fifty million dollars for Correa. The more I think of it, it's just the it was it almost again. And the Giants, I'm sure Giants fans still wish they had him. But to me, that deal, the more I think of it, it's just wow. The Giants really just were that desperate to just add a marquee free agent. Because they felt they owed it to the fan base.
1: And I think they should have done it. I I I still think they need a marquee player on the team. They
0: they don't have any alphas on that roster. I just the more the more I look at the shortstop market in the past two years, when I see that Seeger got three twenty five, Bogart's got two eighty, even Dansby based on like one great all around year got pretty close to one eighty. I, I think Trey Turner for three hundred million. Uh, almost on the dot, is an unbelievable value for the Phillies. It was the best signing of the offseason. That guy is just so leaps and bounds, the all-around player I think all these other guys are. But, I don't know. Maybe I'm a Trey Turner homer and just don't know it.
1: I wonder if Trey Turner... Are you going to take Trey Turner win the MVP next year? It's not a crazy bet, no. Did
0: I I not take
1: it... I feel like you take it it two years ago. I think this... With Harper out Oh, no, I
0: did take it this year.
1: Take it again next year.
0: Because you know what? I took Judge to win the AL MVP, which obviously hit... My Cy Young picks, bad. I took Barrios and Bueller, So no guys, no bad. pitchers who start with a B. The Mental B's note to bad. ourselves, no killer Bs. And I remember for the NL MVP, I was like, I took Trey Turner, and I kind of shrugged my shoulders. I'm like, yeah, it was a fine pick. I like, can finished top ten in the MVP voting. Yeah, like, there was no, like a weird... I have no problem with the pick.
1: You can probably make some weird statistical case that he should have won it. But... If they
0: don't have Freddie, I think he has a much better case. Yeah, but they might not be as good. Oh, Totally. But I'm just saying, with Freddie in tow, it's like, you can make the argument... You could probably make a statistical case Trey Turner was the MVP. You could also make the statistical case he was the third best hitter on his own team. I think I tried to make the Freddie to NL MVP case by the end of the season. I mean, did he... He didn't... I think he needed to win the batting title. Yeah. The runner-up in the batting title was not enough for him. No. All right. Yankees. We've been... We... I mean, I bitch about analytics and baseball in general, because... I don't know. I think analytics and sports at large, like, I get it. I think there's value for numbers, but you still need to play the game. Games are one on spreadsheets. Uh, the Yankees did something this week that I was really happy. They added two front office executives with a ton of baseball experience. Uh, the first was Brian Sabience, uh, who is an executive advisor to senior vice president and GM Brian Cashman. Sabian began his major league career with the Yankees. Uh, he was a scout, hired a scout in 85. He was director of scouting, VP of player development, and he was with the organization um, as we drafted and signed the young players to form the core um, Joel Sherman recalls a statement Brian Cashman made about teams in the 90s saying, the underrated heroes of the dynasty are Bill Livesy, I don't know who he is, and Brian Sabian. That's why they're underrated. Joined the Giants in 93 as an assistant to the GM, uh, and was promoted to GM in 96. And again, Sabian won three rings. Eventually, Bobby Evans took over as GM and stayed in that role through 2018. When Farhan took over, you know, he was kind of forced out. But Giants had winning records from 97 to 04. Sabian's got three World Series, which... I don't know how many GMs can say that, period, in baseball. Am I that far Probably off? not. I, I mean, in our lifetime, it's... Cashman? Cashman, Sabian... Theo? Theo. Theo. No, Theo won three. Was he the GM for all three? Yeah. Oh, four, 11 oh yeah, and yeah. the Cubs.
1: Was he not like the president of...
0: Ops? No, but... Okay, but if you're overseeing baseball ops, Dombrowski has... Two. Two, but pennants with four teams. So I almost want to loop him in this, but again, we're talking elite company. Um, and again, he was with the Yanks from '86 or '80. What was '85 to '92? Who did the Yankees drafted in '92 in the first round? Jeter. Jeter was good. Among that time, we also signed Jorge Pettit, Bernie.
1: <laughs> Those are important players.
0: Correct. So, Mo. So adding Sabian was great. Um, and they brought in Omar Minaya, former Mets and Expos GM. Uh, 64-year-old was a GM in Montreal from 2002 to 2004. So a Mets GM 2005 to 2010. Not good years for the Expos. No. But at the same time, they knew the team was going to get sold and moved in Omar's defense. Um, and Omar, up until, you know, outside of 2015 and this past year, I mean, Omar built probably the best Mets team of the past 20 years. You're going to take the 06 team over the 15 team that made the World Series? I think the 06 team was – I think the 15 team got hot. I mean, again, don't forget, Daniel Murphy homered in six straight games in the postseason. Um, they, also, I, they had Cespedes. Yeah, and Cespedes went thermal I mean, that 06 team was unbelievable. Um, top to bottom, I'll, I'll take the 06 team. I,
1: we were talking about the, that 06
0: roster with Pedro. P, I'll pull it up right now.
1: It was like Pedro, Glavin, Wright, Raz, Beltran, Delgado, and Chavez. Point
0: being, these are not the moves that are going to you know jump off the page. Paul Maduca. And, and a lot of people might not even notice them, but I love that Brian Cashman is adding trusted baseball execs that he trusts.
1: See, um, that
0: cool. And Jack Curry said it best. It's nice to see the Yankees moving away from analytics to guys who have been around the game and have that experience.
1: That's what it The team needs more baseball people.
0: Yeah. You know, these guys aren't going to give a shit what a spreadsheet says, which is very important to me, I think. Yep. All right, let's talk that 2006 Mets um, and why I would take him. Paul LaDuca, catcher that year, hit uh, 318. Delgado at first, typical Delgado year. Uh, average was down, but he had a 909 OPS, 38 home runs, 114 RBIs. Jose Valentin at second um, hit. Uh, Jose Valentin did not do... Oh, hit 18 home runs. Reyes hit short. uh, Reyes was so good. 122 runs, 194 hits, 17 triples, 19 home runs, 81 RBIs. Hit 300, stole 64 bags. David Wright, 311, 26 home runs, 116 RBIs. Cliff Floyd in left uh, and Beltran that year had a 982 OPS, 40 home runs. 41 home runs, 116 RBIs. Andy Chavez made the catch. Um... Uh, yeah, the rotation probably wouldn't stack up. But Glavin, Pedro, John, you remember John Mayne? He was good. John Mayne was uh, good. El Duque, good bullpen though. Uh, Billy Wagner, Aaron Heileman, Chad Bradford of Moneyball fame, uh, Pedro Feliciano, Darren and Ollie Oliver. Perez, who was in the league. Like, Check if Oliver Perez was still in the league. I think he played this year. He was on the Diamondbacks. just seven games for the Diamondbacks. Ali Perez, sneaky, sneaky 20-year career.
1: Terrible, terrible contract when the Mets gave it to him.
0: Yeah, Omar gave him that one. But we're going to strike that one from the record uh, because I like Omar. A couple other miscellaneous veteran signings. A.J. Pollock, one-year $7 million deal with the Mariners. Uh, Twins and Rangers also had interest. Got traded from the Dodgers to the White Sox for Craig Kimbrough right before spring training. 245, 292, 389 slash line over 527 plate appearances. They declined his $13 million option uh, for a $5 million buyout. So he left $1 million on the table between the deal. Is this Mike Trout in a commercial? No. Kind of looks like a bald Mike Trout, no? I don't. I mean, it kind of looks like a I guess a bald not. Mike, no. Mike Trout is not a Solomon Shield guy. Maybe it's just because I see the red. Uh, Pollock last year. 245, 292, 389. But um, against lefties last year, he still hit 11 home runs and 133 plate appearances. 286 average, 835 OPS. Again, not a crazy move, but you know the Mariners have their studs there. Um, and as a platoon player, I still think Pollock has value. You could do a whole lot worse for a bench guy than A.J. Pollock, for a Mariners team that's looking to get back to the playoffs.
1: A.J. Pollock falls victim, and my ass the same thing Javi Baez did. I saw him play, and... I saw him at a White Sox game this year, Entire outfield heckled him for several innings into extras, and then he dropped the ball, so I'm... Did we go to a game now. together? It
0: was in Chicago, so I don't think so. I thought you were talking about a Yankees-Cubs game, or a White Sox game. Were you talking about that earlier? Nope. In Chicago. A.J. Pollock, I feel like, uh, bear with me when I say this, I feel like he's similar to... Not Ben because Ben Zobris made like four all-star teams. But like A.J. Pollock was that guy that I feel like in the mid-2010s as Sabermetrics was really blowing up, A.J. Pollock was all a rage because of the advanced stats. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah. this guy like 20 home runs, maybe 20 steals, but he's never healthy. You plays never, for the Diamondbacks. He's not that good
1: at, at the end of the day. That's, a, that's where your spreadsheets – he's an example of why your spreadsheets need to get out of the game. Like A.J. Pollock is not a winning baseball player. A.J. Pollock doesn't contribute to winning. I'm, like, so out on the A.J. Pollock thing. Let's move on.
0: Eric Hosmer, uh, league minimum with the Cubs. I know you have a good quote coming, so don't forget to say it. Uh, David Justice. 33-year-old, uh, was never really that great in San Diego. He was supposed to get traded to the Nationals at the deadline as part of the Soto trade. Uh, he declined um, since signing with the uh, Padres over the past four years. WRC plus of 100, 265, 325, 409. Um, he's considered a below average first baseman at this point of his career. Over the last five seasons, his fangraph WAR total is .3. Um, he vetoed the trade to his credit. Red Sox traded for him for the league minimum. Um, Cubs last year were a revolving door at first. Alfonso Rivas, P.J. Higgins, Patty Wisdom, Frank Tank-Schwindel. Uh, so at least they have a veteran presence there. Uh, before I give my analysis, what do you think of Eric Hosmer? It's the moneyball thing with David Justice. The Padres are paying him $30 million not to play
1: for him. Hosmer,
0: a vital part... It's only $18 million a year for what it's worth. But but over how many years? Uh, I don't know. It's a lot of money to
1: pay a guy not to play for you when you're trying to win a World Series. At the end of this move means... But this is a nothing move for the Cubs. But I kind of like it from a stability standpoint. Even though Hosmer's not the player he was, you can still roll him out there. Especially if you're not trying to win the World Series. So it's, it's, a, it's a solid pickup. He kind of looks like Dan's Swanson, So maybe the bond over
0: having similar beards. I, I ultimately think I like this move just from the standpoint of this is still such a young Cubs team. And Hosmer's been through every stage. He's been the young guy. He's been the all-star. He's won the ring. He signed the big contract. Kicked off a rebuild. Saw a rebuild almost get to the end, and then got traded. I think this is a perfect locker room guy, though, for the Cubs at this stage in their
1: build. And I think you're sleeping on the – he kind of looks like Dan's response to the take. All right, whatever.
0: Uh, Wade Miley's back to Milwaukee. One-year, $4.5 million guarantee. Uh, $10 million mutual option for 2024. He's 36 years old. It's his third annual Central team in his many seasons. Two years with the Reds, 37, 3, 3, ERA 2021, through a no-hitter. Uh, the Reds put him on waiver. He's placed by the Cubs. Injured last year, but the 12-year MLB better. And when he did pitch, he only threw 37 innings, 316 ERA. Um, keeps the ball in play, solid enough control, ability to avoid barrels. To me, when you when I we think of gamesmanship over the years. The best piece of gamesmanship that I've ever seen, I think in baseball period, was Craig Council in that NLCS putting Wade Miley in for one batter and then pulling him against the Dodgers once they had their all-righty lineup and going with a right-handed starter. That was smart.
1: I like that he did that, this Wade Miley. There's an epic Dennis Eckersley rant against Wade Miley, if you have time to look that one up. Uh, Wade Miley, this signing, to me, I've just kind of been – I'm stretching, looking for reasons to believe this. But you sign Wade Miley if you're going to be bad and need someone to eat innings at the end of the year when you trade away your good starters.
0: To me, this actually increases the Bavada odds of two players being traded. One, like you said, Corbin Burns is insurance. But two, uh, you trade like an Eric Lauer or an Adrian Hauser because you just don't need that many back of the rotation arms. You trade them for maybe like a utility bat. But or obviously you, you're thinking bigger picture, which is smart. Or you just
1: trade Wade Miley, because he goes to a lot of teams a lot of time,
0: And he's been pretty good among every team in the NL Central. He's,
1: like, he's, a, he's not... I feel like I was pretty negative on him. He's, if he's your fifth, fourth, fifth starter...
0: He's a good he's back fun. of the rotation. On. I'd
1: rather Quaid though.
0: I have no opinion one way or the other.
1: I, I like Wade Miley. You must really like Wade Miley.
0: Nationals, Dom Smith won your $2 million deal. A physical. Dom was that guy who, you know, 2018, 2019, when he emerged, Mets fans were all over him. The problem was he played the same position as Pete Alonso. He couldn't really play the outfield, um, so that was a problem there. Um, 2022, he struggled, got set to AAA, hit 194, 276, 384 in the majors. Minors last year, though, he had a 122 WRC plus OPS in the 840 range. Eh, whatever, nationals, give the guy a shot, and see what he can do. You got nothing to lose. Yeah. Speaking of the nationals, am I cra- is it crazy that Luke Voigt doesn't have a job? Or it's just Luke Voigt was really fun for that two year stretch for the Yankees and then just became Luke Voigt again.
1: He's fine. Like he's fine. He's like Luke Voigt. He'll someone'll pick up Luke Voigt. Or he'll go to Japan. But I think, he has a, I think he'll end up in the MLB.
0: And Zach Davies back with the D-backs. One-year, $5 million deal. 30-year-old last year, pitched for the Diamondbacks in a one-year deal. 27 starts, 134 in the third innings, 409 ERA. You can get that production for $5 million. I think every team honestly would sign up for that. For $5 million, guy to just eat innings, ERA around four. I got nothing to add about Zach Davies. Nothing. He's like Wade Miley again. I prefer Zach Gallon. Yes. And last piece of news that um, I thought was very interesting. The Angels are one of two MLB teams up for sale. um, And a potential buyer is Joe LaCobbe of the NBA's Golden State Warriors. Tim Kawakami of The Athletic, unbelievable Bay Area writer, said uh, that LaCobbe said on his podcast, it's been reported that we were looking at it, and that's true. I don't know what we're going to do yet. I grew up in Anaheim. It's a little bit of an attraction to me. Wouldn't be the easiest thing in the world to do because it's not close to San Francisco where the Warriors play. But he did call an Angel's pursuit maybe doable. Again, Lacob is a VC billionaire, bought the Warriors in July 2010, and, uh, I mean, again, we know what the Warriors have done since he bought the team there. <laughs> so, this would be a great get for me. This would be awesome because this is an owner that's proved that he's willing to spend money for his team to win. Uh, the luxury tax bill for the Warriors this year I think is like $200 million, something yep. crazy like that. So he's not a guy who would move the team. He would keep it in California. Um,
1: Do and- they need another team in L.A.? Or would they, I don't think that there's talk of relocating the Angels, but do they need to be there? Would they? Would it almost make more financial sense from Lake... I guess Lake Up has the Anaheim type. Would it make more sense for that team to relocate to Vegas?
0: No, but I don't think any team should relocate. I think Major League Baseball... I don't think... No, nah, Baseball, I think you need a relocation. Well, I wouldn't move them to Vegas or Nashville, though. To me, those are two teams that... They're going to expand the league. They're going to add one team in each league, make it thirty-two teams. They'll rework the divisions just because. Uh, again, it's uh, you're talking about a couple billion dollars in the owners' pockets with the expansion fee. I just don't see. I don't see them passing that up. I just. But think- yes, there are teams that need to move. I think Vegas and Nashville though will be off the table for a bit until they figure out whether or not they can get teams there. Fair enough. Do you think all Warriors fans would become obligated to be Angels fans, especially if the Giants keep shitting the bed like this? If the A's move out of Oakland. A's become Angels. It's a very easy transition with the hats. You just color them a little bit differently. Mm Mm-hmm. I like where your head's at. Any concluding thoughts for this week's show? Uh, No, stay healthy. There's some
1: good British content out there. Not like British TV shows. More like high-level British historical stuff, including an e 60 interview with Prince Harry.
0: Was Strahan? Strahan interviewing him, which is hilarious. Good for Strahan. Uh, yeah, that's.
1: And on the, I'll do one more random football call. Big, big one of my favorite players growing up, Tiki Barber, super underrated all time amongst NFL running backs. That's all I got.
0: This is from Jay Jaffe. Uh, this was the first time in a full season in the pitch tracking era um, that no pitcher threw a knuckler. Like a true not a player. Single not, like not a Not a pitcher, not a position player. But, yeah, interesting.
1: That is weird. That's
0: odd. Yeah. All right, Nicky's on the Hall of Fame ballot. Uh, next week we'll do some more not Hall of Fame. Not doing particularly well. Next week we'll do some more Hall of Fame news. Um, go Giants. We probably won't record this before the Giants playoff game, so I'm excited for that. Hopefully we beat up Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. And I think something to watch out for baseball fans, I think the MLB Top 10 right now starts soon at each position, so... Tune in we MLB Network, and if you see it, drop us a line, because those are always fun debates. We enjoy them. Any sort of rankings are always good.
1: Rankings are great. Rankings are the best offseason content for any sport.
0: Rankings and sport It's how we get through the very long offseason. With Bryce Holden, my name is Chase Midorski. This is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. Have a great one.